I think the organizations that are thriving are the ones that say, no, this is front and center, right? Caring for the people who care for our communities, number one. Why is it number one? Because we then can provide an extraordinary experience to those we have the privilege to serve who've chosen us to care for them. And then we can hit quality, safety, everything else out of the park. When the healthcare experience is rooted in humanity, everyone involved reaps the rewards. I'm Rebecca Corin, and this is Moments Move Us, a people-first podcast unlocking the power of meaningful moments by bringing you stories that inspire. Dr. Shannon Phillips is the president of Intermountain Medical Group Utah and the vice president and region chief medical officer for ambulatory care. For Shannon, providing great care is table stakes. What really matters is how it's done. And as Shannon points out, this all begins with a humanistic approach to caring. When caregivers are fully present for their patients, treating them as partners in their care, that builds trust and nurtures connection. That trust and connection are two things our industry cannot thrive without. In our conversation, Shannon continually refers to her purpose, what brings her joy. And it's so palpable that that's serving people. The opportunity to improve human experience is what brought her into healthcare and recognizing unlimited talent in working towards that same goal is what keeps her here. So let's start there. I think it all started with a high school teacher who's like, hey, this works for you, science. How do you feel about it? And really encouraging and said, this feels good. It fits. And so he sort of opened some doors and made it fun. I quickly learned, though, that I don't belong at the bench curing cancer. So I, I'm a people person. And the joy I found was in medicine. And so it has been the privilege of residency and training and all the, I'm a pediatrician, I'm a pediatric hospitalist. Great. And I think something that kept me grounded in healthcare is seeing patients, right? So as much as I've had opportunities and other things, it is so humbling and such a privilege to care for patients and their families every day when I have the opportunity to help them through some of their hardest times. I have taken right a path in leadership in healthcare and very proud to be one of the women in healthcare leadership and in this special month of women in medicine. And that journey started with wanting to make our systems work better for people. So I'm a quality improvement, continuous improvement person. I'm like, well, this is my office. I want to make it better. I want to make sure it serves the people I have the privilege to serve and the people who give that care every day and have spent time leading in operations, leading in safety and quality. And I had an aha moment kind of mid-career where I said, we do this well. We are making healthcare safer. However, we maybe missed the fact that to give our best care, to deliver health and healing, it starts with caring for the people who do that wonderful work every day Mm -hmm. and caring for the people we serve. So the experience Mm -hmm. piece to me got a little overlooked in my training officially. (laughs) And I don't think I'm alone. And I am deeply rooted now in starting there that people need to know we care about them those who are in our profession, those who we have the privilege to serve. And if we build that kind of relationship, 
then we give safe care. We give high quality care. People find the best health they can find. And I don't know how I may be the only one, but it took me a while to get there. And to me, that is the joy that fills my cup every day is to serve people kind of making that connection and then doing all the great improvement work and deepening medical knowledge and all of that. But it starts with the people. So that's just my joy. Love that. It's interesting because I feel like as a young girl, when you're really strong in science and math, and you know, I think there has been tendencies over the years for women or young girls to stay away from STEM. And now there is a lot of emphasis on encouraging young girls to go into that should they choose to. And how do we support folks like us when we were young to be able to stick with it, right? Throughout, even if we are the only ones in the class or one of very few in the field. And so I'm curious about your journey with that. And I know you have daughters and I'm curious about how that manifests in your life, both personally and professionally. So yes, I am the proud mother of four beautiful young women and several of whom have picked STEM related careers and all did STEM really in high school in one way or another. They particularly loved robotics, but they're out in the working world now in that space. And we have one daughter who's a medical student. And the I see at this point in my career, and I, I guess I hope I've done it all. I think I have. That it's really important to be that encouragement for people for whom it might feel a bridge too far, like too hard or too complicated or I don't know if I'll be welcome here. So yes, women, yes, people of color, yes, people who maybe have not had the advantage of someone like I did when I was growing up who said, hey, you're pretty good at this. You should explore it some more. And I have faith in you, right? And so I think one of the best things I can do and many other leaders in healthcare and sciences in general is to say that to someone. You really seem interested in this. You seem to have aptitude in this and unleash the potential of those people. And I'm so proud, so proud of my daughters. And I see that all the time as a leader, right? You have the opportunity to appreciate people and their what they bring to the table. And doing that empowers them to be curious, to push themselves to do things they might not have thought they were capable of. So big part of joy in leading and actually joy in being a colleague to someone, right? If we always walk into something and recognize the talent we see in those around us, our teams are stronger, and maybe we help someone make a choice in how they contribute in healthcare or wherever, whatever field it is, simply by noticing, right? And acknowledging their capabilities. It's interesting to think about the noticing part of things. Cause I know that for me, I, I talk a lot about how can people feel seen and why is that so important? And right now, as we have this sort of major workforce crisis challenge in healthcare, thinking about the importance of feeling seen in some way so that you can know your value at an organization. And what I love that you just said is just seeing the bright spot in someone and then helping them see themselves through your eyes. Because I think when we are with someone who we respect and would love to hear more about that, but I feel like when you have seen someone in that way and you told them, like, I really see this and you should aspire, you should challenge yourself to go into it. That I think lets that person, as you said, unleash their potential and really go after something that maybe 
traditionally they may not have seen themselves there. And I know that for me personally, I had a similar experience when I had gotten out of law school. I met a woman who was the head of strategy at a tech company, and she said something to me that was really inspirational. I never had seen myself going that direction. And she was like, you know what? I see you going into this. It was just an informational conversation. And I felt like, wow, I can do this. And I thought, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. <laughs> and so I-, I right. and pay it, How do you pay that forward it, for people, right? Exactly. I, so that's a really sentinel moment in your life. And how do you make sure that others feel that at Intermountain here, we have in our leadership development work that we do with a, this wonderful pipeline of healthcare professionals, we use the terms whole, resourceful, capable, and creative. And they're some of my favorite words. And I'm sure people brilliantly were careful about selecting them. Yeah. If that's in the front all the time, right? Like none of us is perfect. None of us have everything, right? If, but if we're looking for those capabilities, and we see people as entire human beings bringing everything that that they have to the table. There's just talent beyond our wildest imagination. And I think it creates a sense of curiosity. So in leader development, do we create that curiosity about people and what specifically they bring to strengthen a team? As I think about building teams and building success to care for patients, how do we make sure we have diverse thought to that? And I think when we think about all resourceful, capable, and creative, we have to fight the fit words yeah. because that's hard, right? It's like, oh, I could have more like me. You naturally gravitate to someone like you. And what's really exciting about, I think, leadership development and intention and focus in healthcare and I'm sure in other industries is to serve our diverse community, you have to have a diversity of thought. And so finding those capabilities and wonderful creative people who bring a fit because they're going to make us a richer tapestry is completely fun right now. I mean, I, I and I sort of look back and go, I think I did 25 years ago, I don't think I was as articulate and I don't think I was thinking about it as clearly as I hope I am doing now, which is to build a team that makes sure that we're not just talking at each other, but we're actually pushing ourselves to bring diverse thought to the table so that what we end up with is better than we ever imagined. And so I see that and that gets me really excited and gives me hope in what has been some challenging times, no doubt in healthcare, that we can build an incredible workforce and an incredible leadership pipeline that, that appreciates and is intentional in that kind of team building. I think about the echo chamber that sometimes we end up in when it's sort of yes. like we want to bring people on that fit that are complementary in different ways. But thinking about diversity of thought and as you shared wholeness, resourcefulness, all of those things I think are so critical. And sometimes we find ourselves leaning in a direction of like more like me when really we should be looking at like what is the big picture here that we're trying to go after? And does this person bring that unique sort of thought that's going to challenge us? to get better, to approach things in a new way so we really can improve whatever the outcome is. Without that, it's impossible because we just end up reflecting back and forth what we already know. And how is that really helpful? Right. And I think in healthcare, because we hold so precious the opportunity to save lives, impact lives, it's humans. If we 
build something and it has a defect in it, that's not good either, but okay, you didn't hurt anybody. And so we have this tendency to not change or change very slowly because we don't want to hurt anyone. And I think we we're going through stretching and growing right now. Our industry is probably the one that has least changed if you look back over 50 years or even 20 years, because I think we have this innate sense of we have to be careful and we have to be measured in our approach. We are going through a real, the overused word, but transformative time where teaming is probably never more important, where diversity of thought is never more important. And we kind of have to get out of our own way and say, we're always going to be guarding the safety of those we care for. That's precious. But how about relating to people? How about taking advantage of the digital revolution that has taken place? Can we speed ourselves up a little bit? The intention to be what people need going forward. And that's a different kind of leadership. It's a different kind of workforce. And we're not going to be dangerous. We're going to do it well. Change comes hard to healthcare. So, it does. It's hard um, and it's know, slow. We have to acknowledge that. Right. And we need to be much more nimble than we've been. I think something that there has been work on for a number of years that should help us is culture, right? So we do feel a deep sense of commitment to first do no harm. And I think we've learned a lot about reliability and process, right? So if I do my role in the way it's laid out, then I can keep people safe. I think psychological safety for people and the what does system accountability and personal accountability look like so that we can get better faster are areas that we're constantly working on. I think the more we build strong teams, the more we build a culture of who we're here for. We're here for those who serve in healthcare professions and we're here for we're here for our patients, the people in our communities. I actually I try to stop myself the word patient is so vulnerable and I love thinking about the people we care for. And yet we do put people in vulnerable situations, right? Where they are patients in every sense of the word, they're yeah. asleep, we're doing surgery. And at the end of the day, that not losing the connection to humanity, that they are a human just like you. And that the best way we can connect with people is actually the humanism, right? Bringing that personal connection that a digital tool can't do and uh, those things in those moments of vulnerability to build trust, to build relationships so that people can find their best health. So it is the best industry. It is the best place to be a health, to be a professional. I might be biased. <laughs> it's it's definitely the the I would argue for sure the most meaningful and powerful when you can help people in vulnerable situations. And I appreciate what you're sharing about kind of the patient and changing that terminology to people and the community. Because also, if you think about, it, especially like at Intermountain where you guys are so expansive, it's like a lot of your caregivers likely receive care at. Intermountain. So the caregivers are also the patients at some point. I'm curious when you think about, I mean, if, of course, it's not post-COVID. We still have COVID. But in this new normal that we live in, how do we maximize relationships and really see people when we're coming off of a really sort of very challenging time in our industry. And it remains very challenging in light of the workforce limitations and, and obstacles. How do we cultivate that humanism right now? Yeah, so really important. I think the connection back to why we all got into healthcare is probably 
the most important thing. So it's different than any other stress that we might have gone through in this profession. There is a mistrust of science in a way that's very unusual today. And the economic pressures and sort of the things that aren't about healthcare that are impacting those we have the privilege to serve in our communities has made time very stressful, right? We've never seen more behavioral health needs in our country in our lifetime. And it is absolutely a crushing pressure. So I think that people are coming to care with some mistrust and they're coming to care with just overwhelming stress. And so the interactions, the people interactions are not always great. It's very high charge, right? It's people in your face. We've always seen it, but much more stressful. It takes a lot out of caregivers to confront all of that every day and bring joy and bring, I'm here for you, the empathy that we want to bring and the compassion and getting back to why you got into it in the first place is helpful for centering, but it's hard today. And all of us have a different why. And sometimes actually some really great conversations as I've rounded, do round regularly in our footprint here is having conversations about why did you get into it in the first place, right? What made you choose this? Why do you love what you do? And those conversations and having people connect to those kind of tenants and purpose are very helpful. The other thing we do is read and experience the voice of our patients. So when someone takes the time to tell a team or a physician or APP what made them feel special, why their visit or their care was positive, which is most of the experiences in healthcare. I want to be sure we get focused on the things that are hard and not going well. So many of them are beautiful and making sure that's in front of people so that they can feel that and get some of that medicine, a little remedy to the harder times is really important. So that's a big focus for for me is to make sure that people see the voice of those they care for because that that's healing. That's healing. So agree. You know, I'll never forget. It was about, I think it was two years ago. I was at a hospital and a veteran nurse came up to me and she was like, I've been practicing for 22 years and I've always tried to treat my patients like they were my family. And we had deployed Wombi there recently. And she had said in the last two weeks, I've received three Wombies that said, you treated me like family. And she was tearful. She was like, this validated my life's path. And I think hearing it from the patient, when we listen to the patient, there's so many powerful stories. And I think what you shared couldn't be more true about how the vast majority of moments are so positive. But I think in healthcare, we really focus on sort of things that are not going well. And it's part of the do no harm. It's part of the way we are trained. It's part of so many things in healthcare that that we're so trained to dig in on those areas that are are really obstacles or challenges that, that we do need to fix. And that is important. But I think the sort of positive strengths based, the great things that are going on honoring those moments is so important right now. Yes. And as a leader, what I think that says to us is it the do you value and respect the team you lead, right? And I think we model things and it's contagious. So if you are sharing with people, hey, I heard this, right? Or I see that and congratulations and tell me more about how that worked and having the curiosity to explore that 
it's contagious. Then people are like, oh, I want that same positive experience where I got to learn, share, and make someone feel really great and appreciated and respected. And I, we can't do enough of that, not in placating. It's not platitudes. These are people getting up every day and hitting it out of the park. They are making people feel safe and secure and competent and confident in their own journey in health. And that is a privilege and they do it beautifully. And so great begets great, right? Like we have to keep at it and keep sharing because we can focus on that one thing that was negative and there's 80 other things that were positive and it's our nature, right? Because we want no errors, no nothing, like perfection. We're in search and we should chase no harm and a bad experience, right? A bad experience for someone is a harm event, right? It, yeah. We may not have wow. you know, caused something that you see outwardly, right? But it's a harm event. And I think really leading forward thinking healthcare organizations look at experience as an opportunity, just like a safety event, right? That because there's emotional harm when we haven't stepped into something the way we can. And so we want to make those better. And a culture that values caring for people, which I think, again, most healthcare organizations do, would say that, you know, you could almost say a never event, like we think of in safety, that the opportunity in emotional distress that can be caused by a billing circumstance or a check-in circumstance or care are opportunities for us. And so again, I'm for years working in safety and quality. I am more and more every day convinced that it's the relationship, it's the connection, it's the personal being there for someone that is the starting point. Our teams need to know we love them and we support them so that they can go out and be an amazing team for the people that they have the opportunity to care for. And it's a virtuous cycle. So then we're going to be our best. People will speak up. They'll say when they're worried, they'll stop the line because they feel safe with the team and the patient. And there's good in there. And it's, I want to be sure that in healthcare, we don't all experience something that sits over here and that maybe it's a marketing thing or it's a, sometimes we tell nursing, it's your job, right? I I mean, in healthcare, it's all over the place. And I think the organizations that are thriving are the ones that say, no, this is front and center, right? Caring for the people who care for our communities, number one. Why is it number one? Because we then can provide an extraordinary experience to those we have the privilege to serve who's chosen us to care for them. And then we can hit quality, safety, everything else out of the park. And that's not everywhere yet, but let's push that. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm curious, in light of the challenges that exist now, can you share a story where you saw things go right? You're like, maybe it wasn't set up from a successful sort of beginning, but it got transformed in some way, either during COVID or recently. So my mind goes to in, in that the experiences I've had in leading and safety and quality and so forth where we do, where harm happens. Yeah. Uh, and we have the experience with a family or a patient that we wish that the errors or the mistakes yeah. that happened didn't. And I would say for years in healthcare, 
it was, let's see how we get through this, right? And I, I had the privilege to really, as you build a culture in healthcare, people want to know that we take good care of people. So it, when something goes wrong, one of those sort of transformative moments in my experience in healthcare was to have the privilege to tell a family that we had made mistakes Hmm. that resulted in significant harm to a loved one and to sit down and apologize and to share all the things we knew that didn't go right and what we had done in our virtuous continuous improvement to make sure that I could look someone in them in the eye and we could look anyone in the eye and say, that's not going to happen again because here are the things that are different today. So out of a bad moment, yeah. a, a moment that we wish we could take back, we were able to change care delivery process, culture, how we interact with each other, to be able to look someone in the eye, apologize and say, this isn't going to happen again. And I every day reflect on the moments I've had with families and patients to be able to be forthright, to be transparent, and to share how we're growing. And in a really rich culture, and I think we have that here at Intermountain, you care and then you learn. So the first order of business is to love the caregivers and the family and patient who have had an experience that we can't take back. And none of us as healthcare professionals came into this work to hurt or harm anyone, emotionally, physically, whatever. And we need to care for those people. They grieve that. We can lose nurses, we can lose physicians and other wonderful healthcare professionals because of the harm of experiencing something that they wish never happened. Likewise, caring for the family, the patient, loved ones is the first and most important thing. How can we be here for you? What do you need? Once we have given people the security and love of that attention, we can learn, right? We can say, gosh, you're great at this. You are a wonderful nurse, doctor, whoever. If this could happen to you, it could happen to somebody else. So how do we learn from this? What would you share with us that would make this better? Are there people who just don't, you know, are reckless? There aren't that many. There are not that many. Rather, we have complicated systems that we can make better so that the next day when someone comes in, that risk is not there. And we can build psychological safety that allows people to raise their hand and say, I have a question or I'm not sure, is this right before we keep going? Being able to participate Mm -hmm. in learning in the context of feeling cared about, loved (laughs) as a person allows us to really nurture a culture of excellence that says we are high quality, we reduce harm, we eliminate harm, because we love people first. And those opportunities were transformative to me. And we do great out of things that weren't so great regularly now. I don't want to mistake that, you know, every day terrible things are happening. That's not it, right? But if you can be honest and approach those things when they're really bad, then all the little things become how we learn, how we stop and improve before something bad can happen. And I'm really proud of our organization. We have more and more reporting of all matter of harm, be it experience or physical, right? And we have less and less significant harm. 
which is a culture that promotes, we can be better. We want to learn and that continuous learning, but it's the foundation of that is caring for people. So care and then learn transformative for me. Again, another reason why I think we start with caring for our teams and caring for our patients to get to all the rest of that. So we can get lots of great out of not so great. So powerful in the lesson of forgiveness and vulnerability. At the end of the day, it's people caring for people. And if we can't share openly what's going on, we can't trust. And I think from a patient family perspective, and I've been there, my dad has chronic illness and grew up in healthcare, whether I wanted to be or not. And I feel so strongly that in those moments when things didn't go as well as they could have, if I was told that, I felt a sense of trust because I could see it on the physician's face or on the nurse's face, and I felt their care. And that allowed me to trust the next time. So important. And I think you're right. When something serious goes wrong, we give people their life back. The guilt we feel, right, whether you're caring for your dad or I'm caring for family and we're traversing something and something goes wrong, you can literally give people their life back who feel the guilt that, oh, I should have stopped that or I should have done this. And that moment of humility to say, healthcare is complicated and we made a mistake. We're human, right? And we made a mistake is a deeply personal and human experience. And is a gift that we can and should give. And great healthcare organizations do that every day. They, they're forthright and they, they step into that. And every day, little things happen in a journey, yeah, right? And so we're human, right? The underpinning of everything is trust. I've had doctors when I started in really my sort of my personal transformation that start with experience and people are like, oh, you're going to lead experience great. These surveys, they don't make any sense to me. Like I'm a great doctor. And I was like, go tell me more about that. Right. And you hear about their evidence-based practice and all the, I practice evidence-based medicine. My patients get great care. And yet you see the comments for this very talented person. And what's missing is the trust and the caring and that human connection. Mm -hmm. And we know there's evidence that says, right, if you feel someone cares about you, you're more likely to do those things that are evidence-based, right? If I'm asking you to start a new medicine or I'm asking you to cut back on your food a little or walk around the block, you're much more likely to do that if you feel someone cares about you. So it's all good and well to check the boxes. I did what I'm supposed to. The execution is dependent on a connection and trust and a relationship with a person and a team. And that is everything. It's table stakes that yeah. we provide great evidence-based care. It's really important. The how is really important, right? How do I walk into a room? Patients, as I've interviewed them over the years, will tell you, I know when you walk through the door, if you're present, are you distracted by the right. other things that are with you and you bring them in or are you really with me? And every time they're like, we understand there are lots of things going on take care of them. Because when you cross that threshold to be with me, please be with me. And that trust and that respect is everything in terms of people really getting in their own health journey. I think we want to support people in being healthy, not be the reason they are healthy. We're just a piece of it. And too much has been about come to me. I'll make you better. I'll take care of things. 
No, we, each of us is accountable for our health and we choose to partner with people to take care of us and coach us in our journey, if you will. And that's only possible if we bring that humanism and trust to it. It also makes me think about how well-being has been really at top of mind for health systems, especially now. And when you think about well-being of a caregiver, a provider, and then you think about the well-being of patients, it is so interconnected. And I've heard, especially recently, but about micro practices that folks are using before they get in the room to be present, like you shared, like whether it's washing hands or if it's before I get into this room, I'm going to take three deep breaths. All of these things, mm -hmm. of course, promote well-being for the person who is delivering the care in whatever form that is. And it also helps the patient feel like this person is present. So now I am being cared for my well-being. And there's just a intrinsic connection to both the well-being of a patient and of the caregiver. And I know that you shared this way back in the beginning of our conversation, but how education of caregivers and providers to incorporate some of these well-being practice experience and how we train people so that when they come out and they're practicing, they can draw upon some of these resources so that they can feel filled up when they're interacting and it's not a constant sort of drain, it's actually going to fill their cup up to make them reconnect to their purpose. Why did we need a pandemic to understand that caring for self is so important and I'm joyful about it, right? Like let's not waste a good crisis because for a long time. And I think we still, I'm guilty. We have to break the habit of, yes, I can do it anything, particularly when it comes to patients, you need it. I'm there. And that exhaustion that builds is poisonous, right? It, your energy is down, you can't be present. And the opportunity for systems to provide those moments, education, step away areas, assistance to have conversations, code lavender, when a crisis has happened and people just giving people that time to be together, all of these things that can help with well-being. And it fills our cup, right? People who went into healthcare chose healthcare. They're not in the hospitality industry or someplace in business and finance and connecting with that purpose that says, I'm here because I find joy in serving people and probably think science and medicine is cool at the same time. You can be both. But reconnecting with that and being able to find that magic, that relationship, I challenge myself with every patient to say, did I, did I find them? Did they feel seen? Right. And to do that, you have to cross the threshold and that's a physical thing because we do it virtually, right? We do virtual care. So it's not as simple, but metaphorically crossing the threshold that you're able to say, I have the privilege to be with this person in a time of need. Let me make sure they're seen. And that is what we all got into this to do anyway. And staffing, to your point, and all the confusion of national issues that are put upon us, even in all of that, each of us individually still has the chance to have that moment with a person, right? Like, yes, maybe we're down three people and that and the other. When you cross that metaphorical threshold, can you make sure someone is seen? And every day we can make that choice. Every visit, every virtual encounter, every hospital room, we can make that choice. And it feels good. And you can be present in it. Not only does it feel great to the person you're caring for, you feel good, right? You Absolutely. had a human moment. And so that practice and intention is in our control. 
And sometimes it's harder to find because things have been hard. And um, so reminding and refreshing, try to set a good example, and then talk about it and point it out. When you see someone do it and provide that reinforcement and comp, I see you, you were great, right? I see you, that was wonderful. And that gratitude and respect goes a long way, goes a long way. When was a time recently that you have felt seen? I have great and reflection in that in my personal life where I am working so deeply being busy and professional with my daughters and with my husband and my family. I have been very intentional in seeing in making sure people are seen and I feel that back way more than I did probably if I look back years and not because I haven't felt loved but my intention is reaping rewards the other way. And so when I think about that comes first present to me is that intention and relationships makes all the difference. Professionally, I would say those moments come as a leader of leaders. I have the privilege. One of the most joyful things is to grow and develop the people that I have the privilege to lead. And anytime When I have the opportunity to share with someone, I see them. They now tell me, I see how you were there and I grew because of the conversation we had and the presence you brought to me. And that amplifier, right, is everything to me because I won't be in all of this forever. I've got plenty of time left, but... (laughs) they then can amplify that to those they lead. And I think that matters. It probably feel most seen when people see the role model I'm trying to be. And I'm not perfect and I blow it, right? Like there are days that are better than others. But when people see that that intention in me, I feel great and I feel seen. Thank you so much for sharing that, Shannon. That's beautiful. I appreciate you letting us in to to your world. And now we're going to quickly transition to a one-minute speed round. We'll warm up to it. But first question, what is your favorite book? Professional or not? Power of Moments. Oh, love that book. That's so great. (laughs) It's worn, tattered, and in my life and in my work. I'm a fan. Dan's great. (laughs) It definitely makes sense after this conversation, for sure. (laughs) What can you be found doing on the weekends, Shannon? Finding the top of a mountain in Utah. I and chasing wildflowers. Mm. That's usually what I'm looking for, but I'm I will find the top of a mountain. That's find me there Saturday morning. I'll be there. Oh, beautiful! (laughs) I love that image. That's beautiful. And do you do that with your family? My husband and I, yes. And anytime my children are in town, they sort of groan a little bit and they're like, okay, I'm ready. Where are we going? (laughs) And then they love it when they get there. So yes, it's a family event. (laughs) Love that. Love that. If you could have any skill that is outside of what you already have, any new skill, what would it be? I am curious about neon light and glass bending. And I would love to be able to successfully have a beautiful flower garden. So you get two. Sorry. Those are really interesting. I I apparently kill things. I apparently kill things. (laughs) So I, not intentionally, not intentionally, but I want to be really a great green thumb. 
but I think that that's why you love wildflowers so much because you don't have to take care right. of them, but you can appreciate them out in, on the mountaintop. Yes. Okay. You figured me out. You figured me out. Yes. <laughs> ah, that's so funny. I love that. What is the funniest thing that has happened in your work career? So I would say the thing I go to touching, I mean, I'm kind of a silly yeah. Irish sarcastic girl a lot. So I think people would say I giggle at everything. I sort of keep birthdays on the down low in general. And I would say one birthday, I came into my office and there was this beautiful bouquet of flowers because people seem to have figured out that I like flowers and hanging from every flower was a little string with a little card and it shared what people were thankful or appreciative for about me and my impact in their life. And as the flowers died and I pretty much, I like, they stayed there. People are like, what's wrong with you? Like, but they had the I notes. I <laughs> uh, right. And then I, I now have those in a little container in my office and they are joyful to pull out and look at. So I don't, I guess I, I'll have to think of funny, but joyful and something I try to pay back to people all the mm. time. And then final question, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I would love the ability to blink and be wherever I want to be or need to be. <laughs> I Could there be more hours in a day, not to work, but to find all the joy and the things to do? Yeah, to be present. Mm -hmm. To me, that teleporting to be present, where, when, and how it is most. Helpful, joyful. I dig that. That would be fun. And where would you go? I wouldn't use it to go to the top of the mountain because I do like the journey, right? Where would I go? I would be much more frequently with the people I love who are scattered all over the country. Thank you, daughters and mother and father and everyone. Mm -hmm. And I would be, yeah, I would just be with our team, with people that I have the privilege to serve and work alongside so in my personal and professional life, I could squeeze it all in and pass out a lot of hugs. I'm a hugger. So it fills my cup and it's hard to hug over, over this. So I, <laughs> I'll take an IOU. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I could fill the world with more hugs. <laughs> oh, I love I that. Move around. <laughs> that so, is amazing. <laughs> I love it. And I just want to thank you so much, Shannon, for your presence and being with me today and our listeners for such a special and just really a moment in time that will stick with me. And I appreciate everything that you shared with us. So thank you. Rebecca, thanks for the invitation. And let's bring some joy and love into healthcare, shall we? Bring humanity, joy, and trust into everything you do. I'm Rebecca Corin. Thanks for listening to Moments Move Us. Remember, when you put people first, your actions can move others in unexpected ways. Be sure to follow wherever you get your audio.